Well, if we have not met, uh, I'm Pastor Mike Ramsdale. Uh, I was a pastor here for a long time. And I'm doing other things now in this area of Texas, serving the church and uh, getting ready for a very special time for us today, my family and I. Uh, we're going to baptize our newest grandson at 11 o'clock worship service. Looking forward to that. Uh, he's number 10. Uh, some are keeping track, some are not. Some don't know me, but I'm telling you, we've got 10 grandkids and they, that's it. And we love that part of our lives. And so we're excited about about 25 folks here being with us, all our family together for the first time in a while. It's hard to get them all together now as, they, as we get older and they get older. Uh, but when I asked uh, Pastor David if he would allow me to baptize uh, Dallas at 11 o'clock, he said, sure. Uh, and then about a week later, he called me and said, as long as you're here, why don't you preach? And so uh, I'm preaching all the services and started last night, 8.15 now, and, and very happy to do that, please do that. So thank you for allowing me to be the one to talk to you today about what the Bible says and about who God is and what faith's about. And, uh, who we are as we struggle to follow Christ the way that we, he wants us to. In a little while, I'm going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. If you want to follow along with your Bible, you can. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. Uh, you have the Pew Bible as well, and I'll be looking at the New American Standard. A little different uh, translation than you have there, but it's not that different to, to make much of a difference. Consuming grace is the message title theme today. Uh, and for a long time now, I, I begin mornings with what, what I consume for breakfast. Very seldom do I deviate from this, especially since a few years ago, I discovered the Ninja Smoothie Machine. Not sure many of you have one of those or one like those things, but I love that thing. You know, I put my name on it, you know, too. That's, this is Mike's Smoothie Ninja Machine. And so it goes like this. I get it out and I put one banana in there. Uh, then I put spinach in there. You have to put spinach next because you have to kind of press it down with the, with the strawberries and blueberries that go on top of that to get it all in there like you want to. Uh, then when you get all those in place, you may toss in a few carrots if there are any available. Not always. Sometimes there are. The carrots may go in. I put a guava in there yesterday. That's very seldom I do that. Usually it's pretty well the same thing. Uh, and then I put uh, some, a little bit of protein powder. Uh, coconut milk, which I also pour in there, has no protein, so I put protein powder in there. Uh, and then a cocoa powder, I really like that. Two squirts of stevia, which is a uh, kind of a sweet substitute, you know, that, uh, that I want to have a little sweeter, you know. Uh, and then I mix it up, and that is my breakfast. If nothing else, I feel like I'm going out into the day with a healthy consumption of food to begin uh, that, that morning. Now, it may go downhill as the day goes on, but that's where I start out uh, to make it work really well, to consume something good for me. Uh, and it seemed like it's a, it's a positive thing as I feel better when I do that. There's another thing, though, that's in our world that also exists, and I will tell you it is, and I'm going to not curse, but I'm going to say it is stinking everywhere. And that salt you know, I, I can't, blood pressure and salt don't go together with me. And I, I, if I do any salt at all, it goes up no matter how much medication I take. I've got to stay away from salt. And that is stinking hard to do because it is everywhere. Once you start looking, you realize it's not just a salt shaker. It's everywhere you look. Go to a restaurant, forget it. Everything has salt in it, it seems. Every meal, every condiment, no matter what it is, has salt in it. Go to the store, look at the back of the can. There's a thousand things of so-and-so of salt and fish sticks. Good grief. It's everywhere. It's hard to stay away from and, and not consume it even if you don't want to. 
I think our world is a lot like that as we think about consuming grace. You know, grace, it's a lot of work to really access that. In other words, to actually spend time focusing on the grace of God. I'll talk about that more in a little bit. It's so hard to do that. But the other things overwhelm us all the time. The things that are designed to create guilt within us, our fear, our worry, our greed, our depression, our anger. It's all around us all the time, wherever we go. And so we find ourselves often just living and consuming junk. And the life that we are living, the behaviors that follow, often the addictions we find ourselves in stem from that when instead we're to be formed and should be formed by the grace of God. And here I'm going to read this text for you, Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. I want you to think there of that word grace. Now, we often miss what that really means. We think grace, many of us do anyway. Grace, well, it means God's nice and God loves us and there's forgiveness and that kind of thing. And, we, and that's true. But this grace is a lot more than that. This grace is a Christmas grace. God became human at Christmas in Jesus, born to save the world from its sins, as the angels proclaimed. Go see him. We've done that. We're still doing that. So we have that picture of grace. Uh, it falls with the cross. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. In that, in that crucifixion act, that's, that's God's blood shed for us. And the resurrection that follows makes everything work right because death does not have the last word. God does in Christ and the resurrection. So this truth of God is a tangible grace and all that is in the word grace itself. It's real. We can experience that. We can access that. We can live by that, be formed and shaped by that if we choose to consume that. As it says here, by faith. Consume grace. Live by grace. It goes on to say, and this is not from you. It's the gift of God. Now that's a Christmas story, of course. We have this amazing gift that we celebrate at Christmas time, and we have great gifts that surround that day that kind of mark it. My wife will tell me, I'm going to buy gifts for people. That's Christmas to me. It's not the tree, it's not the lights, it's not the food, it's giving gifts. And I'm going to buy gifts. So we do that for our, our family, which is a lot. So we have lots of gifts that we buy, but that's what Christmas is for her. It's that gift idea. Not by works, it says, that no one can boast or brag about anything they've ever done or who they are. It's God. For we are God's handiwork, God's creation, created in Christ to do good works, to live good, to live holy, to live well, to be happy, to serve him, which God prepared in advance for all of us to do. As he formed and shaped the universe around, here's what I want my people to be. If they will, can't choose to consume grace and not the junk the world offers over and over and over again everywhere, which I hope is why you're here in church today. To sing some songs, to pray some prayers, to consume some grace, to get that smoothie together, get all that poured in one place and, and to say, I'm going to, this is what I'm doing today. That's what I want for me. Because grace in this sense a gift, is about this gift, a gift that says everything about who the giver is. A gift that says everything about who the giver is. Who the giver is says everything about us. Because who the giver is, gives because of who we are and who he is. And I'll explain it with a story. That uh, in 1978, uh, my wife and I were, I was about to get out of college. 
We already had two little children at the time. I was 25, she was 22, uh, and 20, actually probably 21. We already had two children. And we were heading uh, to Texas. We were living in Missouri at the time. Coming to Texas, I was going to have my first church. And I was accepted to seminary here, which was important. You can't be ordained a Methodist minister without finishing seminary. So I was accepted, except for one thing. I had to have a transcript or I couldn't go to school because my college would not send a transcript to my uh, seminary that I applied to. And at this point, I'm broke. There's no more money left. Spent it all on college, on two children, two babies with no, no insurance. All that was going on. So we didn't have, when I say I didn't have a nickel, I didn't have a nickel. My Aunt Body sent us $10 in the mail. That was a miracle because in that season, that bought formula for the newest little boy who's going to be here at 11 o'clock today. And so we have that picture. And, 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 and I, what am I going to do? Take, I thought of every resource I had, anything I access money, and there was no place to go. And I thought, well, I, I guess I'll call my dad. I'm not called my father intentionally because we had a good relationship. It wasn't that. I just thought it's my job to take care of my family. I, I can't call my dad. I'm, I'm the dad here. And so I didn't want to say, I need you, daddy. But I had no choice. There was no one else to call. No place else to go. And my future hinged upon getting that little transcript to Bright Seminary at TCU. So I called my dad, said, Dad, I need $800. I'll pay you back as quick as I can. He just said, I'll write you a check. And he sent it immediately. He said, you don't have to pay me back. It's my gift to you. All you had to do was ask. It's my gift to you. Now, I want you to understand it's, that was all about him and not about me about who I was, how good I was, what cool person I was, what great intelligence I had, or my sparkling sense of humor. It was all about my father being a father of this kid that had been born 25 years before. And so it's about him, not me. It's because of who he was. He gave me this gift of grace, which is a check that said $800 on it, and opened the door to the future for us. I want us to think about God that way and not lessen who our Heavenly Father is, who sees us as His children because that's who He is. And that's why grace works so well. It's undeserved, didn't earn it. It's just a gift extending from that relationship with God as our Heavenly Father, like my, my dad, Ernest Ramsdale, and his son, Michael Ramsdale. Like my Heavenly Father, Jehovah, creator, lover of my soul and giver of life to me, who, who says, you belong to me. That's where it comes from. And I'm going to make a case today that most of us just don't get it when it comes to grace. We just don't get it. It is so at odds with the culture we live in and the world we live in, this earn and, 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 and receive culture, this buy and sell world. It makes the very nature of Christianity antithetical to really how we most of us live and understand relationships. With God, it is different. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly that happened before we were born. Christmas happened a long time ago. We just get to celebrate it. God already did that work for us. And so it's this. Grace is everything. I'll put that on the screen if I can. Grace is everything for nothing to those who don't deserve anything. 
That is the graciousness of God because, as, the, as it says here in these words, it's a gift. This is a gift. Give has nothing to do with the one who receives it and everything to do with the one who gives it, who sets a standard for it, who makes a decision about it, who chooses to give the gift, whether you like it or not, it's given to you. And it's going to be ours because that's how God makes it work for us. So that kind of grace covers the past. I'm going to share the next three things I'm going to share here uh, toward this message really come from me in in a very, very close and personal way. At this stage of my life, uh, I can preach the Bible and, and work through texts and do all kinds of things like, like, like preachers know how to do, but uh, they very, preach sermons very seldom come anywhere but through my own life. My own experience of, I need this. I'll learn this in my own experience with God. It's important to me, and so I share, simply share it with you, that grace covers the past. And that's hard for us as well. Very difficult. Uh, we don't lose points for the messes we've made, the failures we've experienced, even the sins we've committed to those we hurt. And we don't get points for successes, for good choices, for good days and fabulous moments. That's not how it works. That's not how a relationship with God works at all in Jesus Christ. Grace covers the life, covers the past. And the Christian life is in response response to that grace, that tangible grace, that real grace that we choose to consume or we choose not to, or we choose to consume something else. You may or may not have heard of a, a place called the Disgusting Food Museum. It really exists. You would think there would be many people seeing it, but it's very popular for people to go and see that because they're curious about the world's disgusting foods. You can even try some of them out, I understand, if you go there, if you choose to. I don't know why you would, but you can. Here are some of the foods they have there. Uh, I'm not Swedish, so I can't pronounce this correct. We have some Swedish folks in our church that probably could, in this church. Uh, Sirstroming, which is fermented herring from Sweden. Now, the word fermented means rotten. It's rotten herring from Sweden. And, and fish, you know, that's been around for a while, you think, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go there. Uh, there's, another wor- there's another food from Sardinia called uh, kasu marzu. I know I'm not pronouncing that correct. Uh, but I'll pronounce the next thing uh, correct. That's maggot-infested cheese. They say you can eat it by scraping the maggots off. So you really don't have to eat the maggots if you choose not to or picking them out of the cheese. And I'm thinking, can you say cheddar cheese? There are other options if you choose besides maggot-infested cheese. But it's very popular in Sardinia, it seems. There's stinky tofu, which is basically, again, rotten bean curd. And beans that are rotten don't smell very good. Uh, there's a durian fruit, uh, famous, many say, uh, from a stinky fruit from Thailand. And they say it smells like a, a, a 10-day-old trash bag. And let's have some of that. Uh, fried spiders. Now, I personally think Brussels sprouts ought to be on this list. Uh, they are not. Uh, applaud if you like Brussels sprouts. <laughs> applaud if you're with me on those things. Oh, Good pretty evenly split on that one. So uh, again, you know, there are things like French fries that are available to eat, even green beans, even green beans. But, you know, Brussels sprouts, I think it's my mom, blame my mom, she made me eat it growing up and you had to choke one down. And now I still see that in my head when I try to eat one of those things. But we choose what we consume. You don't have to eat 
maggot infested cheese if you don't want to. I mean, you can say there's cheddar. Let's go that direction. That's your option. You know, we can choose. We can choose to relive and keep consuming the things I did or have been done to me if I want to. We can consume the things we might feel guilty about today. Why did that happen? Or we can consume the resentments from the past or bad situations in the past or bad days in the past or stupid things in the past we've done or get have been done to it. We can do that if we want to or we can consume this real, present grace of God. It's a lot more than just, I like you, God says. This is, this is salvation, it says. It says, walk with me, God says. This is experience my presence in your life, God. I am your creator. I will form and shape you. Allow me to let my grace, it's very real, Christmas and Easter and all that, form and shape who you are by consuming it consistently and regularly, which most of us don't. Instead, we remember. Instead, we regret. Instead, we resent. We do it with the past repeatedly. Instead of letting God take care of that and consume the loving mercy of God that's embodied in the life of those who accept him as Savior and then live that out in the way he calls us to live. Because besides grace giving us, covering the past, grace also gives us the present, this moment right now. It's a lot for me to think about this right now being God's gift to me. So Mike, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this to you today. I'm going to give you this day in church this morning, let you preach to a few people. We'll have church together, you know, uh, like I used to do. And, and it's always fun to come back the rare times I get to visit with you again. I'm going to drop by your house about 25 people who are going to come by and be there for the baptism at 11 o'clock with this brand new baby. And this baby is a miracle, by the way. Uh, uh, our daughter and, and son-in-law really wanted to have a third child and uh, they tried for about nine or 10 years and had a, a number of miscarriages. And finally Dallas came along Amazingly so, we weren't expecting him at all. And, and here he is today, we celebrate his birth into our family. God has given this to us, thank you. Thank you God for this gift. Uh, this season, this life, this moment means a lot. There's also this that was a, uh, a real awakening for me a long time ago. And some have heard this, but some are gonna hear it for the first time today. Uh, I was getting ready for a wedding and I do lots of weddings. I've, probably done over a thousand weddings and doing lots of weddings then. It wasn't in this church, it was in a previous church that I served for a number of years. It's one of those that, you know, you really don't, don't want to do. I mean, it's one where I, I knew the family of the two getting married. Didn't, I'd, I'd seen her once uh, because she was getting ready to go to jail and, and they finally said, would you talk to her before she goes? So she'll have some encouragement. And I did that. And I'd met him, I think, at some kind of deal for the parents at one time or the other. He'd also been in prison. They'd both been in and out of prison. Drug issues. Uh, they already had two children together, uh, not married. And uh, they were in that situation. And, and they decided to, to do a better time this season as they got, got out of jail and get married and, you know, do all that. And they said, will you do our wedding? And, and I thought... Okay, I mean, you can't say no. And, and I, I didn't really want to do it. I thought, you know, I got better things to do with my time. I mean, you know, it's one of these weddings. I know what it's going to be like. And it's exactly what I thought. When I arrived, it was a very small, small, hot metal building. I think it would have been the world building, concrete floors. Uh, they had a table over there that I don't think it had, had even had a tablecloth on it that had a couple of uh, bowls of nuts and maybe some candy. And uh, they had some punch, which I avoided like the plague. And it was, it was going to be in that punch there at that small group of people that were there. Uh, 
uh, and, and they had a cake that looked like a Betty Crocker. I, we, somebody in the family made the cake hurriedly to get it here for the thing. And I, okay, I'll do their wedding, uh, you know, because I said I would, but I didn't really want to. Uh, I resented having to spend time away from my family for that moment. There's better things I could be doing today. Uh, and as I'm standing there, God, standing ready to go into the wedding, to, to do the wedding, God kind of spoke to my heart, not verbally, but just his presence said something to me like, Mike, I've, I've given you everything. I've blessed you. Those people are as important to me as anyone in the world is. They should be important to you. So when God said that, first I apologized to God, I said, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, forgive me. And I, and I put together some words, I'm going to bless these people like you bless me, regardless. So I went out there, did every part of the wedding ceremony. There were parts I could have cut out. I did, the, I did the whole thing, did all the prayers and every piece of it, stayed for the cake and all that went on after that, and did everything I could to give them the best wedding that I could contribute to in this very unusual situation for them. And, and I've done it ever since. I'll say, I'm going to bless them as you bless me, God. That's it. No other conversation about it. Because it extends from really the present and how God blesses me right now with it. So God's blessings to me extend into all of it, whether it be that a wedding like that or going home today in, at noon or last night with a house full of people and kids running around every direction, you know, extends to all those things. And that's how I'm learning and still learning to live my life, my life in response to God's grace. And I've talked about that already, what that is. I read those verses in scripture to us to kind of consume those verses is now it's, it's present or we miss the whole thing. We miss all of it because we don't live it out the way God wants us to live it, which is I'm going to bless others as you bless me and live that in my relationship. It's got to extend in there, marriage and family and friendships and the workplace and church and church relationships and all of it. Even a wedding like that or the $100,000 plus weddings that I've done where I do exactly the same thing. Either case, it doesn't make any difference. I do it the same. Jesus said it to us here. Yet we consume guilt, we consume fear, worry, selfishness, depression, instead of consuming the security and salvation God offers us that we live into and live out of and live in relationship with others, it makes life matter. That's how God calls to experience grace. Well, thirdly, grace assures the future. Grace assures the future. Uh, and again, I got, I got those things for myself. I thought, I need that. And so I be, began thinking about it, how grace worked in my own life. And grace assures my future that we, we don't like uncertainty. Uh, future uncertain scares most of us. And that's typically a, a wealthy world thing. Uh, poor parts of the world don't, aren't afraid of the future as we are. It seems like the less people have, the less they're afraid, afraid about tomorrow. The more they have, the more they're afraid because they're afraid they're going to lose what they've got. The more we have, the more we're afraid we're going to lose it. So we like certainty just to make it all secure. We consume that instead of consuming the certainty God gives us in Christ, which is, you know, his grace. What that means in our life. The future still, though, scares us to death. There are two people I remember really well. It goes back a long, long way. And they were both dying, both probably in their 80s. One was a man. He was a veteran, had been uh, in the military, uh, probably again in his 80s, and he was dying of cancer. Uh, he would die a few days after I went to visit him. Didn't belong to a church I served. He was a member of the family. Someone said, would you go by and see 
so-and-so. He didn't go to church, you know, but I said, okay, I'll go by and see him. And I went by, bless him. I said, I've been blessed, it didn't matter who he was. And so I went. Uh, and he was sitting up on the ed- edge of his bed. Again, he was going to live a few days. And he knew that cancer was about to get him, but he still was strong enough to sit up on the edge of the bed. And we talked for a while. And he was absolutely consumed by fear. But he wasn't afraid of cancer or that I'm going to die. He didn't even talk about that. He was concerned about politics and who was going to be president. This is about 10 years ago. And that's all that Matt, that new president was going to destroy the world and America immediately. That, of course, never happened, but that's all he, that's all he could talk about. And he, you could see the anxiety. You could sense the fear in him. You could see the tension in him. You know, I couldn't get him to talk about he's dying of cancer. He let me pray for him, but he wouldn't consume the grace that I was trying to offer. He could not escape what he had been eating, consuming for years. And so he found his place at death. That's where he was, and it was so still tremendously sad to see because he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to consume those things. He could have consumed something better like Grace we're talking about today. The second story, very much like that one. This one was a woman. I want to be fair. Cover men and women, this story. She was in ICU. She too would, she too would live no longer than a week uh, from the time I visited her. This person was a longtime church attender, though. She went to church all the time. Uh, went to this church. Uh, and I can tell you where she sat. It goes back to about 17, 18 years. Uh, I won't tell you that. And we're sitting there in the prayer and do the things pastors do. And, and her words were, she began discussing this season of her life. She was worried about money. Money. Uh, and she didn't have to worry about money, by the way. That was not an issue for her. She was fine with money, but she was worried about it anyway. And her words were, this is going to break me. Now, she's married, but it wasn't us. It was me. This is going to break me. All my money is going to go out the drain in this hospital. That Medicare wasn't going to happen. But she'd been consuming that for so many years, that consumption about how important money was, how much money I had, and how my securities and my money rather than in the grace of a loving God in Christ who gives us so much more than assuring that tomorrow's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to pay my, my lunch uh, bill at the restaurant instead of saying I'm going to live everlasting with the God who loves me and gave himself for me, laying up for myself treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break in and steal. And that, that treasure is not just heaven. That treasure is in the God who we belong to, is belonging to God. That's what grace really is and what it really means and what treasures in heaven means. You can't lose that which is the most important to you. But you can use, lose those things that are not important. We can't lose those we love. We're going to see them again. And God's not going to lose us because he said, no one can take you from my hand. So it's all good. And those words here in Ephesians, those graceful words speak to that clearly in life. We consume insecurity and worry and fear and define the lives of many instead of being defined by grace. And bad behavior often results because of that, and it almost always does. People who are afraid, who worry, are going to do things to try to solve those issues that often are uh, counterproductive, uh, even destructive of themselves and lives and relationships and everything else, including addictions. Those who are consumed by grace, form and shape by that, 
it's all good. It's all good. It's always all good. Emmanuel, God is with us. In the face of fear, I'll be with you till the end of the age, he said. I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I'll come and receive you to myself. There, we, there you may be also. And that's all part of the Christmas story. The free gift of God, salvation. In a secure place is what the word means. In a secure place in the hands of God who forgives us, blesses us, makes us his, works in our life, forms and shapes us, who covers the past, who gives us the present, who assures the future through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm going to share with you uh, something else I put together. This is a number of years ago. Like you, I live in the same world that you do. It's very difficult when I, when I go around. I can begin the day really good with uh, the smoothie and do it just right. But to avoid salt and bad foods the rest of the day, it's harder and harder to do. Uh, Want to have a lunch meeting. You know, okay, let's, I, I brought you some Christmas cookies in your office, you know, and, you know, I'm going to eat those things when they come. I just can't stop myself. And, and so it's hard to miss those things. It's hard not to, 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 to avoid those things. Uh, and it's hard to avoid the things in our world that damage us. So I've got to consume grace. And so, so here's what I put together. And, and you may have heard this, but I'm going to share it with you anyway, if you had. And it began like this. And it, it began when I, when I changed from the church and begin my new position, executive director of whoopity do uh, for the annual conference that I'm doing now. They recently added mission to it, by the, by the way, and I'm also helping now with the East District, so I've got three jobs today, but that's, so if you th don't say, how's retirement at this point? And, uh, don't tell my wife, how's retirement? She's the one going to say, what retirement? Uh, but I said, I'm not going to, I'm going to be happy. I'm not going to be miserable. Because there's always things to worry about, be concerned about. There's always fearful stuff. There's always stuff around that salt everywhere, you know, in the world we live in, uh, even in the church. And so then I'm going to be happy, not going to be miserable. And that's how the prayer begins. I am blessed above all people that my sins are forgiven. And that's, those are Bible words. Those are in the Psalms. Uh, David, King David penned those words. Uh, grace. I've got grace in my life. I'm going to consume that now. I'm blessed by that grace in my life. I belong to God. God's with me. One day I'm going to be with God. That's guaranteed by the cross of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And I consume that in most every day uh, for the last two and a half years. I'll, uh, I consume that. I, I remind myself and God in our relationship. This is, where, this is what really matters. And whenever I do that, I take a bite of that grace. I consume a little bit. You know, it's so much better. Not because I've said the right words or philosophically have aligned myself to what I like, but instead, God works in that and says, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about? Why are you depressed? Why are you miserable? You can be happy because God wants us from happy. And from that place, from that place, all of the rest of life is lived. Well, it's a rare time I still get to preach like I am today. Or time I get to hold a baby and get to hold that baby a lot here the last couple of days. I live in Missouri, so we don't see him very often. You know, uh, play a silly game with one of my grandkids, and we did that earlier, and I lost every time. I don't know how they play those things so well. Uh, or whatever it might be. Or taking the trash out this morning because we got a house full, and Ron said, take the trash out. And get it big, you know, she gave me a lot of instructions. She does that. Getting ready for these kind of moments. But it all comes from the same place. That's from grace. Okay, our world is full of salt. It's all around us. We often consume it in an overwhelming way. 
and our lives and those we love pay a price because of it. But we can choose to consume grace. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith, it's not from yourself, it's the gift of God. Not by works that anyone can boast. We are God's creation handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good, to live good, to be good, to be happy, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you today for this time we gather this gift of the present to us. The gift of some really good songs of faith and love and grace. The gift of a couple of prayers, God, you gave us to pray. The gift of your presence here in this service. The gift of those around us, family or friends, or just those who attend church with us. The gift of the promise of a future assured by you. The gift of a present that you graced us with today and the gift of covering the past, that life can always begin new. That's our prayer today, and our prayer of thanks for your answer to us in it. In Jesus' name, amen.